Hey, thanks for joining us here at the Vineyard Church Podcast. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. There's a lot of great resources there that are free and will help you grow closer to God and help you connect with the church. Right now, let's go to our next-gen pastor, Myron Jellison, for this week's message. Well, good morning. How are we doing this morning? I'm glad you guys are here. Like Micah said, my name is Myron, next-gen pastor, and we're wrapping up a series, Overcomer, looking at the life of Joseph, and it's been such a cool series, and we're going to put an exclamation point on it today. But I want to start with this. Who's tired? And I don't mean just today because you didn't sleep well and you didn't get coffee. I'm talking, let's be real for a minute. Who's tired for days, weeks, months, year? And it's this, it's this chronic thing. I'm in, that, I'm in that group. I'm with you. And I have conversations with people all the time. And I'm like, hey, how you doing? I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. It's like the number one response that I get when I check in with somebody. Like, hey, how you been? How you been doing? Whatever. Busy. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm like, man, why? Why are we all fatigued? Why do we live in a state of, of tired? And as I was asking this question, I was just trying to find some, you know, maybe some clarity and answers. And I think Joseph can give us some insight in how we can be resilient and how we can have the energy like Joseph has so we cannot live tired anymore. Now, for me, 2018 and 2019 were tiresome because I had two kids. Well, I didn't. My wife did. But we, we were raising two kids for the last two years. My job here has changed a little bit, and I get a little bit more responsibility, so there's a weight that comes with that. So there's been a lot of change and a lot of things. Responsibility has been given to me in the last couple of years with a, a, as, a, as a husband, a father, and an occupation. So, yeah, I've been running 1,000 miles an hour, and I've been, I've been tired. But I look at Joseph, and I'm like, Joseph, that dude had so much energy. I can't believe he was resilient to overcome everything that he had to overcome and was successful at everything that he put his mind to and his effort towards. He was super successful. And, and if you haven't been around for the series, go back and watch and you'll see everything that Joseph had to overcome. I'm going to give you a super quick synopsis. I'm going to talk really fast because I ain't got much time. But Joseph has got a big family. His brothers hated him because his father loved Joseph more than the other brothers. They beat him up, threw him in a pit, sold him into slavery. He was abandoned by his brothers, his own flesh and blood. That's got to hurt, right? That's got to really sting and go with you. But then he gets sold in slavery. He goes to Potiphar. He gets sold uh, to the household of Potiphar. Now he's a slave for Potiphar. He, he's super successful, has tons of ener energy, and Potiphar appoints him as overseer of his entire household. Everything that Potiphar has, Joseph is in charge of. But then Potiphar's wife wanted a little piece of Joseph, if you know what I mean, and she falsely accused him of trying to rape her. So then Potiphar's in this weird spot and throws him in prison because he allegedly falsely accused of trying to rape his wife, throws him into prison. That's got to hurt, being falsely accused for something that you didn't do, especially as a sexual predator. That's got to sting. Now he's in jail. But he had tons of energy. He was super successful, great mindset, great attitude. God had favor on his life in the jail. He became a ruler of the jail. And then he interpreted a dream for this cupbearer. And Chris Dew last week talked about this while he was in jail playing the long game, right? But he interpreted this dream for this cupbearer and said, hey, cupbearer, good news. In three days you're going to be restored to your position with the pharaoh. And the cupbearer, in three days it exactly happened as it was. And Joseph was like, hey, cupbearer, listen, bro, don't forget me. Don't forget what I just did for you right now. Don't forget me when you get into the palace and get in the and back, back restored in your position with pharaoh. Guess what the cupbearer did? Forgot about him. For two years. 
forgot about them, abandoned. Somebody went back on their word. They said they were going to do something, and they didn't do it. And that stings, and that hurts for two years. Then Pharaoh has a dream, and Pharaoh wants this dream interpreted. He brings in everybody he can think of to try to interpret this dream, and nobody can. And finally the cupbearer has a light bulb moment and goes, oh, yeah. This guy in the jail named Joseph interpreted my dream and it came true. So they go get Joseph. He interprets Pharaoh's dream. There's this seven years of, of plenty and abundance that's coming and then seven years of famine. And Joseph's like, you know what you got to do? You got to save up while you have plenty and store it up so you can survive the seven years of famine. And Pharaoh says, you do it, Joseph. So Joseph's now appointed second in command, the most powerful person in all of Egypt, the greatest empire that existed at this time. He is second in command just below Pharaoh, controlling all of this system and process of how to store up and save. The dude had energy. There's no way he would have been able to do and sustain and overcome and build and run that system if he did not have energy. And I think this is why he had so much energy. Because he, he walked with an attitude and he had a posture and a mindset of forgiveness. He had an attitude of forgiveness. An attitude of forgiveness, I believe, will make you an overcomer. The forgiveness that you and I will operate in, our mindset, our posture, our bent, our belief, the way in which we carry ourselves every single day, if it's in a, a mindset and an attitude of forgiveness, you will be able to be an overcomer and you'll be incredibly resist, uh, resilient. And I believe your energy level will begin to come back and begin to... To, to rise and, and get a bigger tank every single day. And see, you have a choice. I have a choice. All of us have a choice. We can be consumed by the wrongs that have been done to us. We can be, we can be consumed by the hurt and, and the people betraying us and abandoning us and, and going back on their word when they said they were going to do something and not meeting my expectations. I can be consumed with all those things. Or I could think and be consumed with what God says about me. The truth in his word and my identity is in him, and I got a plan and a purpose and a future that is incredible. It's waiting for me if I will just get unstuck from my past and stop being consumed by my past. Because I believe being consumed by your past robs you of your future. You can't get to where you want to go if you sit and meditate and remember and reminisce and go, woe is me when you're down and you got kicked and you're punched and you're not picking yourself back up because you're unwilling to forgive. You're stuck in that, in that cycle, and it's a bitter cycle. You create resentment and all kind of ill feelings and angst, and it robs you of the future that I believe God wants to give you. The attitude that you have determines your energy level. Your mindset, I believe, is a huge factor in our energy level. You see, there is a certain amount of energy that you have every single day to get through the day. That's why we got to sleep and recharge and then get up and we have a tank of energy. And guess what? Some of our tanks are bigger than others and some of them are small. We got a little bit of energy each day, some of us. And we can take that energy focusing on the hurt and the pain and the terrible and horrific things people have done to us and your energy is zapped and you can't move forward. It's just like an iPhone. Think about it, right? We have to charge our iPhones every night or your Android, whatever mo mobile phone you got. You got to charge it every night because it dies. Because during the day, it has a certain amount of capacity, a certain amount of energy to get through the day. And sometimes it drains pretty quickly because there's so much activity. There's so, much thing, so many things happening on that iPhone. The same is true with us. We have a certain amount of energy, a tank each day. And I was so prideful when somebody told me this. I was young, I had energy, no kids, you know, just starting out. I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm great. And people around me that loved me and cared about me spoke some wisdom into my life that I just discounted and said, nah, nah, I'm too prideful. 
And I'm starting to realize now that, yes, I have a tank, a limited amount of energy every single day. And I need to pace myself. I need to take care of myself. I need to exercise. I need to have my, the right mindset, my emotional health, all of that. I got to protect myself so I can be the best husband, father, friend, coworker, whatever I can be. And who God's calling me to be, I cannot let that drain my tank. And I'm realizing this more now than ever. And then you stack on, then you stack on a unforgiveness to all of the things that we deal with, the whirlwind of the day, you stack on unforgiveness, somebody's hurt you and wronged you, and you're holding on to that, it drains your tank even faster. It's literally sucking the life right out of you. And I had this experience, and it's still going on in my life. I have a family member who uh, (laughs) over one holiday get-together blew up on me for no reason. Well, there are reasons, but they're not really, I think, accurate or justifiable reasons. He blew up in front of the whole entire family, called me a bunch of terrible things. He was holding on to things that I had did when I was in high school. And he was still bitter and angry about them. And, he, and it just boiled over into this really ugly, messy situation where he said a ton of crazy, hurtful things to me. And it deeply wounded me. And I was deeply upset. And then, so I called him the next day and I tried to fix it. I tried to fix it. I said, man, like, I'm sorry and blah, blah, blah. We had a, we had a conversation that really didn't produce any fruit. There was no reconciliation. And to this day, there's still beef. There's still separation in that. And I've tried what I think I can do to try to reconcile. But the unwillingness to extend the forgiveness to me is causing problems. Right? And it, it makes it messy. It's hard. Like in your marriages, you can think about this. If you're married, you can, you can be consumed by the things in which they let you down and disappointed you and the things that they're not doing. Right? Or you can focus on what they are doing. They're probably cleaning the house without you really appreciating that. Doing the dishes without you appreciating that. Watching the kids, taking them to school, whatever. You can replace the negative hurtful things that your spouse does to you with positive things. Choosing to forgive the bad and move on so your marriage can get to a great, thriving, flourishing place. You cannot hold on to that. you got to be a great forgiver. And just like if you were in school school and your professor kind of screwed you over on a test or an exam or a paper or something, right? You can choose to be bitter and hold on to that and be frustrated. It doesn't matter the reason why you got that grade. And now you're so consumed by it that it's causing you to fail or, or struggle in your other classes. When you could have just forgiven and moved on, said it happened, I don't hold it against you, refocus, reset your mind, and push on to your future. We cannot let the past consume us. It robs us of our future. And Joseph, I believe, was the ultimate forgiver. I mean, this dude was resilient and able to overcome thing after thing after thing. And I believe he never held on to bitterness or resentment for anybody who ever wronged him in his life and in his journey. Because the amount of energy that he had to do what he did was impressive. He was not lingering on the past. He was forgiving and moving on and pursuing the future. Now what's going to happen where we pick up in the Joseph story is he's going to see his brothers for the first time since they sold him away, beat him up, outcasted him, said, get out of here. We want nothing to do with you. They're about to see each other for the first time. And now it's going to be messy. This is crazy. Watch this. Genesis 42 and verse 6 will start. Now Joseph was the ruler over the land. He was the one who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brother came and bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. When Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he disguised himself to them and spoke to them harshly. And he said to them, where have you come from? And they said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. 
But Joseph had recognized his brothers, although they did not recognize him. Joseph remembered the dreams which he had had about them, and he said to them, you are spies. You have come to look at the undefended parts of the land. Joseph is struggling with the external display of what forgiveness looks like. He sees his brothers. He could have dropped everything and said, brothers, I forgive you, and give them hugs and say, we're all good, man. Look, look what God did, and look how he blessed me, and look where I am. Like, it's okay. I know you didn't mean, I, didn't, I know you didn't do it like, I mean, you did it on purpose, but I mean, I, I got some forgiveness for you. He could have did that, but he didn't. He spoke harshly of them, called them spies, false accusations, and then he actually ends up throwing them in jail for three days. It's crazy. Like he's struggling with the external display of what forgiveness actually look, looks like. But I believe that Joseph was never bitter, he was never resentful, and he wasn't holding on to these things. But when the time came, when reconciliation was demanded, not demanded, but when reconciliation was in front of him externally, it's messy. It's struggling. It's hard. And that's true for you and I today. He's struggling when he sees the perpetrator of his wrongs, his own flesh and blood. He's struggling with it. And we will too. It's messy. It's hard. But the internal forgiveness needs to happen immediately. Okay? The external forgiveness may take some time. It will be messy. It's a process. But we have to go through it. You see, Joseph, he's the second most powerful man in all of Egypt. He's got the perfect platform for a vengeance fantasy. (laughs) I mean, he could do whatever he wanted to these guys and nobody would say anything to him. Because he was the second most powerful man in all the world, or all the country, all all the empire. But he didn't. He chose not to. He could have. He had the platform. He had the ability to do that. Now, you, you are going to go read Genesis 42 through 45. I hope you'll go and read it on your own. I don't have time to go through it, but you'll see the back and forth messiness of how Joseph throws him in jail, makes this crazy demand of, hey, you brought everybody but your brother Benjamin. I want you to go and get Benjamin and bring him to me. So you're going to have to leave somebody in jail until you go and fulfill this thing so I know you're not spies. He's making all these crazy demands. It's weird. And then Joseph has compassion for them. He starts crying and he goes and hides himself because he's still disguised. They don't know it's him. He goes and starts weeping and crying. And then he fixes himself up, comes back and says, all right, you know what? Take some grain, take some wheat and go. And what Joseph did is he planted the money that they paid him back into their bags. And halfway through their journey home, Joseph's brothers, they, they, they go to feed their horses some grain or some donkeys some grain. And they notice, uh-oh, we got the money. <laughs> Like, this guy's going to think, we stole from him now that we ripped him off and got his money. Why would Joseph do that? That is so weird and crazy. And then his brother's got to come back a little bit later to get more grain because they ran out. And this time they got to take Benjamin because that was the demand that he made. And they bring Benjamin back. And again, he starts weeping when he sees Benjamin. He hides himself. And it's ugly. It's messy. It's hard. He doesn't, it's, it's, it's playing out so crazy. you got to go read this. And then he sends him back home. And he plants a silver cup in Benjamin's bag of grain. And then he sends his officials after him and says, and they arrest him for stealing from the Pharaoh's household. When Joseph had his servants planted there, why would he do that? Joseph is struggling, struggling with how to actually show and demonstrate the forgiveness. And that leads me to my first point and the reason why we have to forgive. Because I believe internally it brings freedom. Forgiveness brings freedom, not answers. It didn't give Joseph the answers on how to handle this. 
and how to hand out consequences and how to reconcile and do all that. He didn't have answers. But I believe Joseph was free from those emotions and those distractions and those weights his whole entire life to have the energy to be successful like he was. Forgiveness brings freedom. We're talking about your freedom. We're not talking about, and again, it's not about letting the person get away with it. It's not about letting them go and like, oh, they won because I'm not going to get back at them. No, it's not about that. It's about you having freedom. It's not going to give you all the answers. And once I realized this in my life, and Joseph's inspiring me to continue to live out a life in a mindset and attitude of forgiveness, I realized it's a game changer. It is self-care for me to know that I have a limited battery and I'm not going to let it be drained because I'm holding on to resentment and my unforgiveness. It's self-care. It's mental health care. Taking, taking care of yourself. It might seem selfish, but it's going to help you be a better person and live in a better place with more energy. But it's not going to give you all the answers. Because should there be consequences for the person who wronged you? I don't know. Maybe, yes, depends on what the wrong was. Should I instantly be like back in friends with them? I don't know. Not gonna, that Bible doesn't give you the answers, right? You know, should there be boundaries? I don't know what those boundaries should be. Should I immediately trust them? I would say no. Like trust has to be earned back. So it's ugly. It's messy. It's contextualized for your situation. It won't give you the answers, but it will give you freedom. And I believe to have the energy to be an overcomer, no matter what comes your way, you have to walk in an attitude and a mindset of forgiveness, not holding on to that. And Anne Lamont says this. She writes it this way. Unforgiveness is like drinking deeply of rat poison and expecting the other person to die. It's like, okay, you did this to me, I'm going to get you back. Rat poison, you're going to die. It's nuts. It's crazy. It's not going to happen. It's only hurting yourself. You're trapped. You're a slave. It's sucking the life out of you. It's draining your battery. And it might even be killing you faster because, again, if we live in a state of that for too long, it could shave some months, years off of our life. We have to walk in an attitude of forgiveness. Your anger towards somebody else never does you any good, does it? My anger towards somebody else never does me any good. And let's just be honest for a minute. Our society and culture is a very angry and bitter and resentful society, aren't we? I mean, Come on, we are the most offended generation or the most offend, we're living in the most offended time ever to where no matter what you say or what you do or how you live your life, somebody's upset and somebody's offended. We, we have so many people who are oppressed in this day and age that we hold on to and we want vengeance, we want justice in our own form, we want revenge, we want to get it our way. And we're like, okay, man, you just do you, boo-boo, no big deal, it's fine, whatever. We live in such an angry, bitter, resentful society. And I'm not talking just about the political state, and I'm not even going to go there. I just want us to look at the entertainment industry for a minute, right? Especially movies that get put out. Movies. They all have a vengeance or revenge line through the entire movie. And I'm talking some Disney movies too. We got Disney Plus recently, and we've been watching some Disney Plus. And I'm like, man, these people are angry and mad, and they're seeking out their own form of revenge. And we're all rallying for them. Yeah, get them back. Like Frozen. You've watched Frozen. It's got a vengeance line in it. Lion King. It's got a vengeance line in it. Maybe one of the most popular movie series right now is The Avengers. It's literally in the name, Avenge, to get back, you know. Um, I look at The Princess Bride, one of my favorite movies. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. 
prepare to die. He's seeking out vengeance for the death of his father. And we're like, yeah, get him, Inigo Montoya, get him. And we say that line. We rally behind him. The Patriot. Patriot, incredible movie. Vengeance. Braveheart, incredible movie. Vengeance. And then maybe uh, one of, one of, another one of my favorites is uh, Gladiator. When Maximus Aurelius takes off his mask and looks at the emperor and says, vengeance will be mine. And the emperor's shaking. He's like, oh, gosh, what do I do, you know? It's crazy. And I'm not, I'm not saying these movies are bad. We shouldn't watch these movies. I just want to bring our attention to that maybe the art that is produced is a direct reflection of our culture. The art that's being produced is a direct reflection of our culture. And we are angry. We are bitty. We are vengeful. We hold on to things. And we want to get back at people in our own forms of justice. And that's not what the Bible and that's not what Jesus is calling us to. He's calling us to be forgivers. And you have a choice. You have a choice. Will you be bitter? Will you hold on to it? Will you create resentment and angst and distance and all of that? And if you do, you'll live with the consequences. You'll live with the consequences of being that way. But if you choose the grace of God to be a forgiver, like he is the, gra- he is the greatest forgiver, forgiving you and I for our sins. And he just wants us to walk in that grace and extend that forgiveness to each other. And you have a choice. Will you be bitter or will you be like God, the greatest forgiver ever, and extend the forgiveness that you have received? You see... Bitterness, I believe, leads to resentment, and then resentment leads to control. And what I mean by control is that they own you. They have control over you. Have you ever been, a, you ever walk into a room where there's somebody who, like, there's unforgiveness towards? Your stomach kind of gets that feeling, doesn't it? Your stomach enzymes probably, your digestive system changes a little bit in that moment. Your blood pressure is probably being affected by them. Your heart rate's definitely going up. Right? There's other physiological manifestations of the unforgiveness that will play out in your actual physical health if you hold on to this thing. And our world does a terrible job of modeling forgiveness. Nobody is out there giving forgiveness talks except for the church. And I hope the church continues to give forgiveness talks. So you're getting a forgiveness talk. We're talking about it today. The world ain't talking about it. Not at all. And the world does a terrible job of modeling it and doing it. And I want to get real for a second. I don't think the church does a great job of it either. I don't mean just this church. I mean 2.2 billion Christians in the world. The big C church. The entire body of Christ. I don't think we do this very well. I don't. Because I believe that if 2.2 billion Christians, that's what the statistics say there are, would walk in an attitude of forgiveness and a mindset of forgiveness, it would impact our world greatly. It would be contagious. That positivity, our energy level, our, our enthusiasm, the way in which we live our life free and not consumed by it, people would look at it and go, man, I want that kind of freedom. And you can say, hey, it's found in Jesus. Come on. Right? If we would just do this as a church, it would be incredibly transformational in our world. And here's what, here's what I believe is the message that we can send when we forgive. We say to the people that we forgive, God loves you. God loves you. I believe that the forgiveness might be the most tangible form of forgiveness we can display to another human being. Think about it. Jesus' death on a cross was for what? Your forgiveness of your sins. The most incredible gift that we have been given is the forgiveness of our sins through Jesus Christ. And that is the most sacrificial form. That is the most, that is the epitome of what love is. And I believe you and I can display Christ to each one of, uh, to everybody else around us, one another, if we would just extend the same forgiveness that we have received. It brings freedom. John 13, 35 says this. 
Jesus says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If you love one another. I'm going to challenge you and I'm going to make the statement that I believe forgiveness is the most tangible way we can show love to our brothers and sisters. And that is how people will know that we are Jesus followers. Not by our church attendance, our group attendance, our Bible reading, our prayer. Those are great disciplines. Do them, yes. But how you forgive may be the most influential thing you can do to let Christ shine through you. Love is a choice. We know that. Forgiveness is a choice. My second point is this. Forgiveness is chosen, not earned. Forgiveness is chosen, not earned. Some of you are like, yeah, but man, they didn't do anything to like meet my requirements. Then that way I would actually forgive them. Nowhere in scripture does it say, never did Jesus say, if they do this, then you can extend forgiveness. Because guess what? If you're a Jesus follower and you've accepted Christ, you didn't earn that. You did not earn Jesus hanging on that cross and shedding his blood for you. The Bible tells us by faith through grace you are saved. Confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart, you shall be forgiven and made new. You did nothing to earn that forgiveness. So there's nothing that anybody else has to do in order to earn your forgiveness. You have to walk in a mindset and a posture of extending it no matter what. And it's hard. It's hard. Hebrews 12.15 says this. See to it that no one fall, fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. The grace of God is available for all of us to choose, but if we let the root of bitterness take hold of our heart and our mind, we're going to miss the grace of God. So if we are letting that root consume our mind, our thoughts, our actual emotions, physically manifesting to heart rate and blood pressure and all of that, we're missing the point. We're missing the forgiveness of God, the grace of God that extends to us. It's chosen every single day to wake up, I'm going to be a forgiver. I'm going to wake up, even though they hurt me and it's still messy, family dinners for me are still messy. But I'm choosing no matter what, I'm going to the family dinner. And I'm going to forgive them. And they say some things. I'm like, no, like stop saying those things. Crazy. But it just, it it bugs me. But I'm like, no, 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 I'm going to be a forgiver. I'm going to be a forgiver. I'm not going to let them rob me of my freedom and my future. And you know what? It's way easier when people ask for forgiveness, isn't it? It's way easier. Because then we're like, oh, yeah, you realize you did something wrong. Good job. Glad you realized something. That's kind of prideful of me. Good job. You realize you, you hurt me. But not many people come to me and ask for their forgiveness when they hurt me. I don't know if that's just me or if that's your situation too. I don't know if it's because they're always right and I'm always wrong. I don't know. Or maybe they just don't know that they've hurt me. But for whatever reason, it doesn't matter. People don't have to come and ask me for it. It's way easier if they do. But there's no requirement. There's nothing they have to do to earn it. You have to just be willing to give it because Jesus Christ was willing to give it to you. And Joseph... We read this. If you go read this and go read this whole Joseph story, Joseph didn't do it perfectly, but he did it. And that's the important part. You have to do it. You have to do it. You have to do it. You may not do it perfectly. I'll say you won't do it perfectly because there's no perfect way to do it, but you have to do it. And if you don't do it, you're draining your energy tank. You're draining your tank, man. It's sucking the life right out of you. Let me bring back the iPhone, okay? The iPhone's got a battery for the day. If you guys know about mobile phones and stuff, you realize that there are processes or apps and functions of your phone that are running in the background without you realizing they're running, right? 
unforgiveness that you're holding on to is like one of these processes in the back of your mind, in the back of your life, that's sucking your battery down without you even realizing it. But what you can do with your iPhone is you can go into the apps and say, hey, shut this down, shut this down, shut this down, disable this, close this app out, I'm done with it, I've forgiven, I've let go, and no longer will your battery be drained as quickly because you extended that forgiveness. You'll have a bigger tank. I believe you'll have more energy. And my final point is this. Forgiveness is simple, but it's not easy. Forgiveness is simple. We've just talked about it. And I think all of us could agree, yeah, Myron, it makes sense theoretically, philosophically, how we do this. We just extend it. We just name it. We say it. We forgive it. We let it go. Yes, get it. Simple. But man, it is hard, isn't it? It is not easy. Do never confuse simplicity with ease. This is an easy concept, but it's not a, it's a simple concept, sorry. It's a simple concept, but it's not an easy concept. Let it go. Choose to let it go, to not let it consume you and rob you of your future. Now, a push-up. You guys know what a push-up is? Yeah, pretty simple, right? It's not easy, is it? Some of us can't do push-ups because they're hard. I can't do pull-ups sometimes. They're hard. Right? But the concept is simple. Micah, I'm going to ask Micah, our youth pastor, to come back out real quick. I want him to demonstrate, I want him to demonstrate a push-up for us. So welcome, Micah. Come on. All right, Micah. Think you can do a push-up? Get down and see if you can do a push-up. Simple, the form is good. Down, up. Simple. He did it. Right? The concept of forgiveness is easy. But here's what happens with our forgiveness sometimes. Right? There's a huge weight on us that we're like, Myron, I can't do this push-up because there's too much weight on my back, right? Again, another circumstance of unforgiveness. He cannot do the push-up. Try, do a push-up. He can't. He can't get up, right? That's the same thing that happens with us when we are carrying this weight and this burden of unforgiveness. It's simple. The push-up is simple, but the weight is just too big that he cannot get up off the ground. If you know anything about exercise, it kind of goes like this, right? All right, somebody dumped a hot coffee in your lap, something small, do a push-up. Forgiven. It's gone. The weight has disappeared. Next time, all right, we got something else, right? Maybe somebody cusses you out at Kroger for whatever reason. I don't know. Do a push-up. I forgave them. It's gone. No big deal. My kids are disrespecting me for whatever reason. I'm going to forgive them. Do a push-up. Bam, forgiven, right? And over time, what happens, man? We begin to build up some strength and some endurance. And after a while, we can begin to put more and more things on our back. Do a push-up. Great, he can do this. He can do this because he's practiced it. He's disciplined himself. He has been in a routine. He's been exercising this, this, his mind and his posture to be able to do it. And guess what? When the big thing comes back, he's ready. Do the push-up. He's ready. When... He's ready. Stand up for a second. Stay here for just one minute. I want to just take this one step farther. You can do this. Start somewhere. We might think that there's something horrific that's been done to us that I can't do. You're going to have to lean into God and the Holy Spirit to do that. You can't do it on your own strength. But there are things that you can forgive on your own strength. Get back down to the push-up for one, one second. Listen. Well, let me, let me read this first. Matthew 6. Read this. You can, Matthew 6. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. 
But if you do not forgive other sins, don't miss this. Your father will not forgive your sins. That's Jesus' words out of his mouth. So guess what? When we're unwilling to extend the forgiveness, your sin is still on you. Still on you. It's like this. Get down. This is the unforgiveness towards somebody else you haven't dealt with. This is your own sin. When you got this much weight, you can't do it. But through Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of your sins, this one can be gone. If you will continually extend the forgiveness of these things, you can do it. I promise you, you can do it. It's simple. It's not easy. And we have to practice it. Thank you. All right. You can do this. You have to do this. Build a discipline and a habit and a routine. Work that forgiveness muscle in your life so that when the big things come, you're a ninja forgiver, ready to extend it no matter what. Jesus puts it this way. I think it's a great place for us to start. He said to love your enemies and those who have persecuted you and hurt you. Love them. And I think the, the first step we can do into loving our enemies, Jesus tells us to do this. Pray for your enemies. Pray for them. And you might be thinking, man, I don't want to pray for them. They're a screw up, you know. They're like a horrible person. I can't believe you would want me to pray for them. Pray for them. Because I believe what happens in our prayer for the people who have hurt us, we begin to shift our mindset and our perspective of saying, you know what, God, you love them. God will begin to shape your heart, mold your heart and your mind and say, you know what, God, I now see them the way in which you see them. Jesus, you would die for them too. Jesus, you did die for them. And you get it off of yourself and you begin to think about that other person. And you begin to see them the way in which God sees them. And we realize that God loves them just as much as he loved me. And because he forgiven me of my sins, I have to forgive them of, of their sins and their hurts and their wrongings towards me. And when we forgive, people, listen, when we forgive, I believe it's the most tangible example of God's love in this life. It will transform your relationships, it will transform your energy level, it will transform your future, and it will maybe be the greatest witness you'll ever have. An attitude of forgiveness will make you an overcomer. Attitude of forgiveness will make you an overcomer. Now Joseph finally does have a reconciling moment. You've got to go read all the back and forth messiness, but he finally has a reconciling moment in Genesis 45. It's where we'll end. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come closer to me. And they came closer. And he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Now do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years. And, excuse me, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by this great deliverance. Joseph's mindset and attitude is incredible. It was hard for two cha three chapters. It was hard and messy. But he finally got to the point where he brought him in and said, guys, it's me. And don't be mad. Don't be angry. I forgive you. And Joseph had this, and this is my final point. The setback in your life is the setup for what God wants to do. And Romans 8 tells us God's working all things for good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. If you love God with everything you got, surrender everything that you got. Walk in the mindset and the posture with the, the beliefs in line with his teaching. You will be an overcomer. And I believe it starts with our forgiveness. Walk in that attitude. And he's going to work it for good. 
He's going to work it for good. Joseph realized, God, you were just using these hurts and me being sold twice into slavery and falsely accused and, and betrayed by the cupbearer and hurt and hurt and hurt and hurt. Never one did he lay on the ground and go, woe is me. He forgave and picked himself up, resilient as ever, overcoming, and we can do the same thing. Forgiveness gives freedom, not answers. Forgiveness is a choice. They don't have to earn it. It's simple. It's not easy. And my final thing I'll say, then I'll go. Do, do not, don't ever lose sight of the magnitude of the forgiveness you've received in Jesus Christ. Some of us can brush it off and say, oh yeah, I'm saved, I've accepted Jesus. Do you really know what he saved you from? Do you walk in that mind every, mindset every day of going, God, thank you that you do not hold any of my evil and wrong and sin on my life. You've washed me clean and set me free and made me new. Because that forgiveness that Christ has given you far outweighs any hurt and pain you will experience in this life by another individual. And if he's willing to bridge that gap of forgiveness for you, how dare us not bridge the gap of forgiveness with somebody else in this life. Because if we do not forgive other people of their sins, our Heavenly Father does not forgive us of our sins. It's that big of a deal. Let's go forgive. Be tangible expression of love of Jesus Christ and change our world. And set yourself free and to live a life that you want to live. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much that uh, you did give your son Jesus for us and forgave us of all of our sins. And Father, help us never to lose sight of that. And that we would walk in, in, a, in a new uh, energy with a mindset and an attitude of being an ultimate forgiver, just as you are the ultimate forgiver. And God, that you would begin to restore relationships in this room and online and people watching and hearing, you know, this, this talk and this conversation. That you would begin to, to create restoration and reconciliation opportunities for us to make amends with people who've hurt us. Lead us, Father. Give us your words. Give us your truth. Give us your uh, insight, the ability for us to walk in this forgiveness. It's going to be messy, Father. We recognize that. It's going to be hard. We know that. But, God, we want your strength and your ability because we know it's this important, that we would go and be forgivers. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us here at The Vineyard. It's our greatest desire to see you find and follow God, and we hope that this podcast has helped you do just that. In addition to these podcasts, please come visit us live at the Capitol Theater in downtown Wheeling, Sunday mornings at 9.30 and 11.15, and experience these encouraging messages, some incredible music, and so much more in person. We would love to meet you. Again, thanks for joining us this week. We'll see you next time.